I guess if we went on to the high street this afternoon and we, we, we asked people, you know, well, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? We, we someone's going to do that and we knock on people's doors and say, you know, who do you think Jesus is? One of the most common answers that I think you'll probably get is, well, I think he was a good man. Uh, he was a good moral teacher. I think that's probably, I don't know, that's the most common answer. That's only one of the most common answers you would get if you asked people. The implication is, of course, that he's not really any more than that. Yeah, he was a great moral teacher. He was a man who taught good things. And also the implication is, well, you can listen to other people if you want to. You can listen to Muhammad or the Buddha or Confucius or Marx or whoever it is that you want to listen to. But I think in our passage this morning, we will see that Jesus is far, far more than just a good man. He is a man with amazing authority. Let's just recap where we've got to in Luke's Gospel. Uh, the beginning, Luke explains why he has written his account. He talks about the fact that he has carefully investigated everything. He's talked to the eyewitnesses, and he's carefully investigated everything. And he's written an orderly account of who Jesus... Uh, he wants to write an orderly account so that we can know the certainty of the things that we have been taught we then get those familiar narratives that we often read at Christmas um, that announce Jesus' birth. And some extraordinary things are said about Jesus, that he's the son, that he's going to be the son of the Most High, that he's going to be the son of God. We hear the shepherds in the field and the angels come to the shepherds and say, today in Bethlehem a saviour is born who is Christ the Lord, God's special saviour is coming During Jesus' childhood, he claims that God is his father in a special and a unique way. And last week, if you were there last week, um, in chapter 4 and verse 18 on page 1031, Jesus says this about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set free, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus' words are extraordinary. Well, the words of the angels, the words throughout the early account are extraordinary. The claims he uh, is, ma- is making are just amazing. Maybe you're here, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe, well, yeah, you do think, well, yeah, I think Jesus is just a good teacher. That's what I think. Well, what are we to make of these claims? And our passage today really begins to flesh out those claims. I guess so far all we've had it really is our words, okay? There's a sense which you could say, well, Jesus, you're just being a bit boastful. I guess we maybe we've all learned not to be so boastful. Remember, you know, at school you boast, I don't know, I used to enjoy sport, I boasted, you know, how many runs I was going to make or how many goals I was going to score, whatever it was. You know, we're very good at boasting. And then, of course, when you actually go out on the pitch, it doesn't really work out that way. Well, is Jesus just like that? Are the angels just like that when they're calling him the Son of God and that he's going to do these amazing things? And the first thing we notice about him is that he has words of amazing authority. Verse 31. When he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. And what do they make of it? Verse 32, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. 
Jesus spoke about what he knew. He spoke with authorities in one of the accounts of his teaching in Matthew's Gospel. He keeps saying, but I tell you, or truly I tell you, I tell you. So often human speakers have to rely on other people's authority. So-and-so says this, you know, Dr. Smith says this, Dr. Jones says this. But Jesus says, I tell you, I know I am God's son. Uh, I guess if I uh, said I was going to run a football training session next week, not many people would turn up. If I said that Gareth Southgate was going to be running, the England manager was going to be running a football training session, I imagine quite a few people might turn up because he has authority. Well, here Jesus has the authority. He speaks as the creator. I tell you, I know. I know what you are. I know the human condition. I know what the world is. I know. Um, And the people acknowledge that. They are amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. First kid's question. What did the people think of Jesus' teaching? What did the people think of Jesus' teaching? And if Jesus' words have authority, the obvious implication for us, particularly for Christians, is that we need to listen to them. We need to trust them. We need to obey them. You know, we live in a world where you know, everyone is talking at us. You know, the bloggers, the vloggers, the influencers, the advertisers, everybody is saying, you know, listen to me. If you want to make a success of your life, this is the way to go. You know, follow this. You know, subscribe to my channel, whatever it is. But here is Jesus, a man with God's authority speaking. He is the one that we should make time to listen to. Take the old book off the shelf, or I guess in this day and age, you know, whatever Bible app it is that you're using. Read it. Listen to God's word. Listen to Jesus' teaching. Trust, obey. He speaks with authority. And then secondly, we see his authority over evil spirits. We think about that with the children. Verse uh, 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I imagine if he'd been there, it would have been pretty scary. Go away, he says to Jesus. We don't want you here. Well, how will Jesus respond? Will he go away? Will he hope that the security will arrive and, you know, escort the man out? What will he do? Verse 35. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. So that's the man shouting. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Jesus takes up the challenge And what happens? Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. The demon obeys. Immediately it leaves. It is clear who has the real authority. And in some ways, in this encounter, we see at the heart of what is going on in the gospel. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, all goodness coming. And here he is confronted by evil, by this demon. Uh, we saw something of that confrontation back a couple of weeks ago when we began this series, when Jesus is in the wilderness and uh, he is tempted by the devil. And again, it is Jesus who wins. It is Jesus who triumphs, even though he is physically weak. 
Uh, second kids question, who wins, Jesus or the unclean spirit? Who wins, Jesus or the unclean spirit? And so here we have the account of a man who has complete authority and power over evil. Here's a man who has complete power and authority over evil. Now, I guess, again, in, the, in our modern day and age, people, <clears throat> people are going to say, well, what about evil spirits? I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Um, people question these accounts of evil spirits. How, how do we respond to that? Well, the first thing I think we obviously say is, is that Jesus clearly believed that this man was possessed by an evil spirit. And Luke, writing the account, clearly believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, in the power that there were evil spirits with power. But again, you might say, well, I've never experienced an evil spirit. I've never seen a confrontation like this. Well, it's clear that the, the devil uses different tactics in the world. So in the beginning of chapter 4, he, he, he tempts Jesus. He uses temptation uh, and lies to try and uh, cause Jesus to disobey God. And he's still doing that today. Um, his main tactic he uses us is to use lies and uh, temptations And sadly, he's pretty successful in pulling us away at times. But here, having failed uh, in tempting Jesus, now it seems as if he sort of takes a more full frontal approach. Now, we may not experience a full frontal approach uh, that often in the UK, but it's certainly the experience uh, that... He's used, he uses elsewhere in the world. I was reading a, a biography of a missionary called James Fraser, who was a missionary in China about 100 years ago. And again and again in that account, he comes across uh, witch doctors who had their villages in, sort of, in spells of fear because they seem to be able to you know, use supernatural evil powers to control and manipulate people. And it's not totally absent in this country either. When I was a, um, a young curate, actually I was never really a young curate, but anyway, about 20 years ago, um, I, when I was in a place called Virginia Water, I remember I was preparing for an evening service, we used to have an evening service at 6.30, and this group of teenagers came in, and they were clearly very scared. And um, they were looking for the priest, as they put it, and as I was walking around a dog collar, that was me. So we sat down, and it was they, it, as, as I, they explained what had happened, they'd been playing with a Ouija board, and something had happened to one of them who was there. And uh, they, were, they were very scared. They were, they were freaked out by it. And uh, so we sat down, and I listened, and, and I prayed. Um, these things do happen. Um, I remember uh, doing some door-to-door visiting with, like, well, I think it was you, Jane, and, and we, a lady, or one of us, she, 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 said, she said openly that she was a witch. You know, people are, people are well, do manipulate and seek to uh, use evil forces uh, for their own benefit. But the wonderful thing is, is that Jesus can completely defeat evil. Jesus has complete power over this demon to drive it away. And notice the man comes away completely unharmed. I'm sorry, let's go back. Notice the man is completely unharmed. Jesus has power over evil. And that is brilliant news as we think about that. Um, Because we know even in our own hearts there is evil. Um, Do you ever get that experience of catching yourself thinking or saying something about somebody else? And you think, that was really horrible. 
I've thought that thought about somebody or, you know, I've actually opened my mouth and said that, you know, something slandered, something untruthful or, you know, denigrated their character or just wants them not to do well in some situation. Jesus come to die on the cross to defeat the evil in our lives. And we live in a world of evil, a world where there's abuse, violence, bullying, war, family breakdown. Jesus has the power and is dealing with these things. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is fantastic. Uh, I think it's the third kid's question. Can demons separate us from the love of Christ? Can demons separate us from the love of Christ? Now, that's not to say there won't continue to be evil in our lives. That's not to say I won't continue to sin in my life and rebel against God. But it means that those things can't separate us from the love of God. It means we may still experience evil in this world. But it does mean that that cannot separate us from the love of God. Here is a man, because he's the son of God, who can defeat evil. And boy, do we need that in our world. So let's keep turning to Jesus. Let's keep praying for his ongoing gracious work in our lives to keep fighting against evil and to protect us from evil. The Apostle John puts it like this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus is defeating evil in our lives. He will utterly, ultimately defeat evil in the world. I just want to encourage you to put your confidence in him. Jesus is more than just a good teacher. A good teacher can probably tell you about evil. Maybe a good teacher can analyse evil. But a good teacher cannot defeat evil. Jesus, he has authority to defeat evil. Then we see Jesus' amazing authority over disease. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 38. Sorry, I've got the wrong verse up on the screen. Verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, it's worth noting that all the accounts are actually within one 24-hour period. In fact, most of it's on one day. What an extraordinary day to have experienced. They move on to Simon's house. And we're told that Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, literally a great fever. Now, of course, this is the days before antibiotics and the days before, you know, 24-hour A&E and, you know, NHS directs and all those things. This could easily have been fatal. It could easily have ended in death. I guess those of us who are parents here may well have had that experience of a child falling ill and their temperature rising and rising and seem to have, you know, just where's this going to end? Of course, often, by God's grace and mercy, it ends with antibiotics in the NHS and everything is fine. But here, clearly, this could easily have been fatal. And so, understandably, they come to Jesus and they ask him about her. Verse 39. So he, Jesus, bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Jesus bends over, rebukes the fever, and it is gone. And what does she do straight away? 
So it's a non-rhetorical question. It's nice to know if there's some life out there. What does she, how, how does she respond? What does she do? Does she convalesce for 24 hours, 36 hours? Gets up, gets up. She gets up straight away. Yeah. Hence uh, Phoebe bouncing around. She starts serving. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Here is a man who has power and authority to make this person completely better in an instant. Well, understandably, the news begins to spread. Back in verse 37, we're told the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. And verse 40, at sunset, so that's when the Sabbath ended, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness and laying their hands on him, he healed them. Jesus gets the woman better. And then they all come in the evening. So I say the Sabbath is over, people are free to move around. And so the crowds begin to form at the door. They bring with them all the sick, the ill, all the different types of diseases and illnesses. More with demon possession. Now again, it's a, try to imagine what that scene would have been like today. You know, say you know, Jesus had been here and once had house. What would have happened? Well, everyone who had anybody you know, sick in Whip's Cross would have gone there. And, and brought them out, and you know, further afield. Um, I guess pretty quickly, most of the hospitals in London would be emptied. I mean, trying to get anywhere, to, you know, in terms of in a car would be completely impossible because the whole place would be gridlocked and jammed by people coming. And what does Jesus do? He lays his hands on each one and he heals them. Here is somebody who is clearly far, far more than just a good teacher. Here is somebody who has, I guess, an infinite power. Here is God coming into his world to heal people and to make them better. But again, these sort of passages you know, give us questions in our modern minds. So this day and age, people might say, well, you can't really expect me to believe in miracles, can you? I mean, miracles don't happen. Well, if God is the creator of everything, I would say... And he therefore has created the rules of nature. The idea that he could send his son into the world and, if you like, change the rules of nature. And, yeah, they're the rules that he made up, if you like. Don't see the problem with that. And particularly when he wants us to know that Jesus is his son, particularly when he wants us to know that Jesus is unique, that it makes sense that he can change the rules of nature. And clearly he does. But maybe there's another question, maybe a more personal question. Well, if Jesus has this power, why doesn't he heal me? Or why doesn't he heal my loved one? Why do Christians and others suffer so much around the world? Well, it's clear from this passage that Jesus could heal. Uh, it, yeah, could heal. So I mean, it's very clear. They asked, um, he lays his hands on each one and he heals them. The Bible gives us no promise that Jesus will heal everybody in this life. There's a promise for healing in the next life, but there's no promise to be healed in this life. So the Apostle Paul talks about having a thorn in the flesh that he asked for God to remove, and God didn't. Paul had a a co-worker called Trophimus, who at one point had to leave ill uh, in a place to be cared for because, well, he he was ill and he couldn't travel anymore. And God often uses our suffering and our difficulties to refine and strengthen our faith. So Paul would have said uh, that the thorn in the flesh, he didn't like it, but he acknowledged that it helped him and strengthened him in his faith. It seems to be difficult for us to understand, but 
That is what the scriptures seem to be saying. But most important of all is that one day Jesus says he will return. He rose physically from the dead and had a perfect, uh, glorious, imperishable, strong body. And he promises everyone who trusts in him the same thing. So if we trust in Jesus, one day we will be all completely free of disease, of decay, of old age. Jesus has complete power over disease and sickness and evil. Here is someone who's far, far more than just a good man. Here is someone who can defeat evil and the devil. Here is someone who can remove all sickness and disease from us. And I say in a world that is so full of these things, surely here is a man we need to take hold of, a man we need to trust, a man we need to follow. And Luke then finally wants us to know that this man is for everybody. He's healing everybody. Jesus' authority is for all. Just the bottom of the page there, verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Well, that would make sense. I mean, okay, so if you, uh, your person who, your, your family member who was only in Whip's Cross, you might be able to get to them and uh, bring them back to Jesus on that Sabbath day. But if you had to travel a bit further to get the person, you know, or, or the news took a bit longer to get to, you know, if you lived in southwest London or something, you know, St. George's or something, it's take you a bit long to get here. So, you know, you, please don't move, Jesus. We want you to stay here and to heal us. Uh, well, how does Jesus uh, respond? Is he, did he say, yep, I'm going to stay with you? Verse 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He's no longer going to preach in just Capernaum and Nazareth. He must go to other places. And I hope that has a massive encouragement for us as we sit here miles and miles away from Nazareth and Capernaum. Because ultimately, as we watch the rest of the gospel, we can see that it is Jesus' plan that the gospel continues to go out to the nations. That this good news of this man who can defeat evil and ultimately who can bring us eternal life without disease, that that message is for all of us. That message for everybody in Wonsa, that message for everyone in London, Clay Hall, Barkingside. It's, this is for everybody. Uh, final kids question. Did Jesus want to stay in one place and preach only to one person? So many people would shrug their shoulders and say, Jesus is just a good teacher. But hope as we read Luke's historical account here in these few verses, we can see that there is something far, far more going on here. He is something far, far more than just a good teacher. Here is a person who has total authority over evil. He drives out the demon. He restores this man. He can defeat the evil in our world. He can defeat the evil in our own hearts. Then he heals and frees people from disease and illness. Here, quite simply, is a man who claims to be the Son of God and who lives up to that claim. So I hope if you are a Christian here this morning, that gives you great encouragement to keep coming back to Jesus, to see the power and the greatness of the man we follow. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want to encourage you. See who he is. 
Here is a man who has the authority over evil. Here is a man who can uh, defeat disease, ultimately defeat death. I encourage you to put your trust in him and to follow him. I put a discussion question down. We could maybe talk about over coffee. How do you respond to Jesus' amazing authority? Well, let's pray as we close and then we'll sing. But let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we praise you so much uh, that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. In a world that is so full of evil, in a world where the devil tempts us and we say quickly turn away, we praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he completely defeats evil. He completely um, yeah, has power. Thank you, that's the reason the Son of God came, was to defeat evil. Thank you, we see his power over disease and sickness, his compassion. Thank you, that ultimately we know in the resurrection, all who trust in him will be freed from all disease and illness and death. And we praise you that in Jesus, this is for everybody, this message. That he didn't just stay in Nazareth or Capernaum, but he travelled all over Israel, and then sent his followers out all over the world. We thank you that message has come to Wanstead. And we pray for us. We understand that. May we also seek to share that message with other people. What great news it is that we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.